Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, Bible study, 2 Thessalonians is the book we're going through now. Remember, uh, Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians. We looked at that at the end of the year. They were going through some difficulties and some hardships. There was a lot of confusion about the Lord's return, and he writes to them and tells them how this is going to happen and what to do and how to look at it. And someone comes back, gives reports, so he fires off another letter. They're going through suffering and difficulty, and now they're still confused. That kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, here's the problem. When you're confused, you don't stay on track. When you're confused, it's easy to get off. When you're confused, you start believing things that you shouldn't be believing. And so Paul is writing to them to help them understand. So we're going to begin, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. It begins with the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. Now, as we said when we were in 1 Thessalonians, rapture isn't a word taken in the Bible. You won't find the word if you look it up, but it means a taking away, which is what the word stands for and what he is saying. So it's the rapture of the church. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet Him. In other words, I did this once, let me do it again. Have you ever noticed that some people, you got to repeat things to them several times before they get it, and some of them never get it? But that's what He's doing. Let me, let me tell you again. Let me clarify this for you. Let me make it clearer if I need to. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed. Underline that, highlight that, keep saying it to yourself. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed. All the stuff you see and hear, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't buy into it. Don't be fooled by what they say. A lot of people, when it comes to this subject, get fooled by what others say. Uh, Buy the latest book. Watch the latest program. We'll clarify it all for you. Don't be fooled. Let's skip down a few verses. Verse 5, we're going to get back to verse 3 and 4. Don't you remember what I told you about all of this when I was with you? And the answer to that question is... No, evidently not. We don't remember. It's it's slipped our minds, I guess. And you know what's holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness, speaking of the Antichrist, this lawlessness is already at work secretly. It will remain secret until the one who is holding him back steps out of the way. So what's Paul writing to them? Basically, here's a summation. Calm down. Let me tell you again what's going on. Calm down. It's, it's not there. Let's, let's revisit 1 Thessalonians. Let's just go back there and pick that up and notice what he said to them. 
at that time. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Christians grieve when someone dies, but we do not grieve like those who have no hope. It's a different kind of grief. Since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. In other words, these people have died. They're thinking, oh, they've died. They missed the return of the Lord. They're not going to get to go be with him. That was their thinking at the time. So he's trying to clarify that thought. We tell you this directly from the Lord. In other words, God's told him what to say. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, the voice of the archangel, trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, and here's the phrase, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. That's the rapture. Now, well, how are the grave, they're coming up and we're going to be here. I don't know. How of all these people? What he's trying to say is this, simply this. Understand what he's trying to get across to them. The people who have died are okay, and when the Lord returns, they will be with you to go meet with him and to be with him forever. That's the message, okay? Don't get caught up in the minutiae. Don't try to figure this out. Well, let's see. That means they have to get a head start on us because they're that, and that means this is there, and so it'll maybe take. Don't go there. Understand what he's just trying to get across. Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. Don't think that they're not going to make it. We're all going to go. All Christians will go together at the rapture. When the Lord gives the shout, we will go up to meet him. He will take us out, and we will be with him forever together. That's the passage. That's what he's trying to get across. And so he talks about, let me go back to the Second Thessalonians passage. He talks about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is that period of time that follows the rapture. So once the rapture happens, once the Christians are taken out, the day of the Lord begins. There's a, there's a tribulation. Now, please hear me. There is a difference between the tribulation that you and I go through here on this earth and the great tribulation. The great tribulation is much more intense and difficult than anything that's going here on earth right now. So don't get those confused. There's tribulation now. We go through hard times. But there is a greater tribulation coming. Don't be so easily shaken. Don't be alarmed. Don't believe those who think they know it all. You know, how much confusion has been caused within the church by these issues? And why are they created? Hold on. Because we all want to know, don't we? Well, tell me how this is going to happen. Tell me when this is going to happen. Tell me how this will take place. Who do you think this is? What's going to go on? Who is this man? Who, who's going to have... How, we, inquiring minds want to know. And yet, Jesus told his disciples what? Over and over and over again. You don't need to know. Just understand something. You're all going to one day go up to be with the Lord forever, every, every Christian. It's going to happen. And when that happens, 
The man of lawlessness will be revealed, but it will not happen. And it says, to the one, the restraining force that is holding him back. I believe, and this is, this is me, okay? This is not, it, it, Scripture's not really clear on this, but it just seems to make sense to me. The restraining force that is in the world today is the church and the Holy Spirit. They are what keeps sin back. When that force is removed, lawlessness takes over. Thus, end times is described as a time when everybody does what is right in their own sight. They don't follow the laws. And God says, until that force is removed, the church, I mean, God said, look, I'm not going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot is taken out. And then he did. And so nothing's going to happen until someone, something is taken away. Don't be confused. Don't overthink this. Just understand this, the brief outline we're given. Okay? We got any questions here? Is anything going on? No? We're good? Oh, wonderful. Second, the rebellion of the man of lawlessness. The rebellion of the man of lawlessness. All right. By the way, there is a text number. If you've got a question, you can just text it in. We'll try to answer it. Although if you want me to get a minutia, the answer is, I don't know. And you're not supposed to know. So, all right. So the man of lawlessness. Look at the rest of verse 3 and verse 4. That day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Down to verse 9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception, destruction. He will do all the counterfeit stuff to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God would cause them to be greatly deceived. Now that word cause creates problems for us sometimes. Read it, let me read it to you this way. So God will allow them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Paul uses the term man of lawlessness. John uses the term antichrist. Same person. So what Paul is saying, when, that, when we're taken out of the way, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Therefore, as a Christian, you will not know who the antichrist is. So, here's a little hint. Stop trying to figure it out. He won't be revealed until the day of the Lord comes. All right? So that's what he says. He uses this term. So what, what does he do? First of all, he proclaims himself as God. You see, why did Satan get kicked out of heaven? He wanted to be worshipped, and he thought he was equal or better than God. 
He thought he was the one who should be in control. He thought he was the one who should be worshipped. And he tried to supplant God. So the term antichrist, man of lawlessness, means against God or instead of God. That's what he's trying to do. He wants to be worshipped as God. So he is doing everything he can to be worshipped. He proclaims himself as God. In other words, I'm the great authority here on the earth. I'm the one who can do everything you want me to do. I can give you everything you want me to give you. I am above everybody else. And he will deceive people into believing that. That's what we just read, right? God said, I'll let you. Go ahead. I've given you the truth. You choose not to believe it, then you'll swallow everything this man says, hook, line, and sinker. So he proclaims himself as God. He has a plan. He will begin as a man of peace. Scripture tells us that those first three and a half years will be a time of great prosperity and great peace. He will do what everyone in the world wants done. Give us a leader who will make everybody get along. Right? We should all get along together. As you're listening to news and listening to stuff, as things are going on, listen to how much is being said and played into, you need to join this organization. You need to be a part of this group. The world needs to all come together. Everybody's responsible. It's, it's creating this world understanding and this world desire. And he will come in and give the people what they want. He will bring the world together militarily, Spiritually, they worship him politically and financially. Because what keeps people together is money. Right? It's either money or military force, right? It's one or the other. He'll have it all. So there's three and a half years of peace, three and a half years of tribulation. The mark of the beast has to do with a financial incentive to be able to exist declaring that you've taken the mark of the beast. Do not worry about you taking the mark of the beast. The man of lawlessness has been revealed. The mark does not exist yet and will not exist. As I read Scripture, he will develop it, and when you take the mark of the beast, it will be more than just getting a mark. It will be you saying, I choose to pledge my allegiance to this man. That's what the mark is about. It's not something, oh, I got a mark. Oh, no, how'd that happen? No, it's a choice. Because it says you can't buy anything without it. So, okay, well, they want to put a chip in our hand because now they can just read the chip and I don't need any credit cards or anything. Is that the mark of the beast? No. Okay, I've gotten far enough into that. <laughs> One of the things that will bring peace is Israel will be allowed to build the temple. And we're told, and we just read, at the end of that first three and a half year period, this man will go into the temple, sat upon the throne, and declare himself as God. And he will be worshipped. I believe Satan thinks if he can destroy Israel 
he can destroy God's plan. So he's doing everything he can to get people to turn to him. And if he can't get it done by being nice, he will force it. Okay, we good there? Wow, miraculous. He has power. He has power. He will have counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. Now, this is what's confusing sometimes. Evil people can do good things, but that does not make them good. You see, remember the people who show up before the throne and talk to God and say, look, we did this in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we did all of this in your name. And he looks at them and says, I don't know you. You weren't doing it for me. You were doing it with someone else's authority, not mine. And that's how he he says that. So he will have power. He will perform miraculous signs. That will deceive people, won't it? Wow, look what this guy can do. Look, Look at the power that he's got. Look at how he's able to do this and that. It's incredible. So he has power and he deceives the perishing. Everything Satan is about is deception. Trying to get people to confuse them so that they will make bad choices. Deception. He doesn't come to your face and tell you a bold-faced lie. He twists it. He makes it seem simple. He makes it seem like, well, that's not going to hurt anything. Well, I could, you know... How does everybody start becoming an alcoholic or a drug addict? One little drink's not going to hurt. Deception. One little thing won't matter. Deception. This little bit, ah, no one will know. Deception. So he deceives the perishing. Now, during the tribulation, people will be saved. We know there's 144,000 of the Jewish people that will be saved. They'll be protected. But the only way to be saved in tribulation is to say, I am not going to worship you. I am not going to let you be the person I look to. I will not take this mark. And you'll be beheaded, they say, because of it. When you take that choice, you'll be saved. Confusing? Oh, yeah. Why is it confusing? I got a lot of questions about all this. How's this going to play out? How's he going to do this? How's he going to do this? I I don't know. But you know what? Ten years ago, we look now and we're doing things today we would have never dreamed of back then. The world is being set up and being ushered into towards that time. It won't be, well, okay, the rapture takes place and now suddenly everything in the world changes. No, everybody, rapture happens, now everything just keeps moving along, only at a greater pace. And someone steps in, good person, who, I got an answer here, I'll help you, I'll take care of this. And so Paul writes to these people and he says, look, that day's not going to come. Quit worrying about your unsaved loved ones. They're going to be with you. Quit worrying about this person or that person. Because in these days, Nero was a good antichrist. 
Nowadays, Hitler was a great antichrist. We, there's been so many guys, you know, we thought this and this, it's a great one. And Paul says, look, it's not that. Don't give in to that. Don't buy into that. That's not what it's about. And so, Paul talks finally about the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Wow. This is the second coming. He will come back and destroy him. Remember, sword or fire, breath coming. He will do it with this. When Jesus comes back this second time, he'll reign on the earth for a thousand years. There'll be a judgment for everybody who's ever existed. Christians are not guilty because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Those who have not accepted Christ are guilty. Heaven and hell are real. And Satan will go forever into hell, eternal punishment. Remember a lady once, I talked about this one time, I've probably told you this story before, but she uh, came up to me afterwards and said, I just can't believe what you said. I go, really, what's that? She said, well, I can't believe God would send anyone to hell. And I said, he doesn't. You get to make that choice. If you choose to follow Jesus, you get to go live with him forever. But if you choose not to and choose to follow Satan, you get to go live with him forever. God is just putting into practice what he said he would do. He gives everyone a chance and everyone has an opportunity. Heaven and hell are a real place. So Paul writes to these people going through struggles, hard time in life, concerned about what's going on and how everything's going to play out and what's going to happen. And he says, look, Don't be alarmed. Don't be upset. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't allow confusion to reign. Here's what's going to happen. Big picture. Keep being faithful. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get... Let me just say this to you, you know. Don't get caught up in all the eschatology. Follow God. Love Him and serve Him. And God will take care of everything else. So the question is, you know, okay, am I ready to go? When that day comes, is my life being lived following Jesus Christ? Do I believe that he's going to come back? Do I believe he's going to rule and reign forever? If I choose not to believe that, then I've been deceived. Because I don't think that'll happen. I've been deceived. So... Live the truth, stay firm in what you believe, and don't allow anyone to get you sidetracked. And if you don't know the Lord, it's just a simple matter of asking Him to come and to give your life to Him and say, I'm going to follow you and not Satan and not me, and I'm going to live for you forever. Let's pray. 
Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.